You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Friday, February the 24th, the final daily episode of the week here on the Nick Luck Daily. Coming to you once again from Riyadh, where the temperature continues to be, well, pretty glorious, I won't lie. Bright blue skies, round about 30 degrees Celsius, uh, north of 85 Fahrenheit. Coming to you just after midday on Friday in Riyadh, so just after 9 o'clock GMT. Now, it is said in horse racing, if you live in the UK anyway, that uh, a, a racing fan cannot live on a diet of Frankie Dottori stories, whip-related tales, and bemoaning the lack of British runners in big races alone. Um, and that that may be true, but that's the diet they've they've had to endure for much of the last three or four weeks, and with no apologies once again. Because as I welcome in David Yates, newsboy from the Daily Mirror. Um, Dottori's hogging the headlines again out here in Riyadh. What's he said in a press conference uh, and and how does it relate to what you and I were teeing up on this podcast last week? Yeah, I, I think one can uh, exist on a diet of those things uh, very well, Nick. We certainly seem to have managed it over the last few years. Yeah, this is interesting with Dottori because um, he said yesterday a couple of things. He admitted that there was a temptation uh, to carry on riding beyond the end of this year. I'll just read you what he said. Um, He said, I'll be 53 in December and I want to finish at the top. It's very hard to choose the right moment. My heart wants to carry on, but I want to have another life. I have my eye on working in the media mm -hmm, and doing a few other things uh, like buying a few horses. So uh, that, that... we, we talked about this last week and things have gone so well for Frankie. The farewell tour has kicked off really uh, in, in spectacular style in California, hasn't it? And I'm mused, would there be a possibility of him carrying on? And I sort of did that with a, a, a devilish glint in my eye, really. I, I didn't really think that that would be a possibility. And Frankie has said that it probably isn't. But he does at least admit uh, that he feels that temptation. It's going to be a, um, a a hard thing to do, isn't it, next autumn when uh, he hangs up his boots for good. When he does that, though, this is something else that he said yesterday, um, might be beyond the Breeders' Cup. I know that plenty of people in the British press room, we've all been running to our sports editors. As you would know, I, I'm by no means uh, a regular attender, attendee. I don't like uh, the passive of that noun. Um but at the Breeders' Cup, I've not been for a couple of decades, but I have been petitioning in common with quite a few friends in the press room uh, at the sports desk of Reach PLC to say, it's Frankie's last ride at the Breeders' Cup. I really ought to be uh, at uh, Santa Anita in 2023. But he's he might just have moved the goalpost there as well. Um, he added, I have given myself a year to do my last farewell. Uh, I've been in Santa Anita because I was asked. I will do the European programme. Ascot 
Champions Day in October. Should be my last one in England. And then possibly the Breeders' Cup will be my last or the Melbourne Cup if something comes up. So he's at least extended uh, the possibility of... Uh, he's opened himself up to extending the farewell tour by three days there uh, to the first Tuesday in November. It looks, though, as, as though he will finish uh, about that time this year. So whilst I was incorrect with my, uh, my musings as to whether he might carry on, I'm going to claim that I hit the woodwork. Right, here's what he's got on Saudi Cup night. 4.05 British time, so 5 past 7 local time, the Riyadh Saudi Derby rides having a meltdown for Mike Pegram and Bob Baffert. Huge chance. Then he rides the Breeders' Cup sprint winner in the Riyadh Dirt Sprint Elite Power. Massive chance for Judmont. I mean, hardly talked about all week. And then he rides Country Grammar, the runner-up last year in the Dubai World Cup winner in the $20 million Saudi Cup. It could be an absolutely monster payday again for Dottori in his farewell year here in Riyadh. What's happening back home, Dave? Right, quite a few things uh, this week. Obviously, the uh, we had the launch of the Grand National on Tuesday in Liverpool, which was uh, an, an interesting... Uh, I thought it was quite an interesting event, really. The, the I thought the most notable thing to come out of it was the... The opinion of Martin Greenwood, who of course has has uh, w was in the the headlines uh, a week or so before about saying that the the thirty one of the eighty five entries for uh, the Grand National uh, in twenty twenty three was a sign of the the continuing demise of the National Hunt racing scene. Um, Martin was on stage with. Uh, Ed Chamberlain. He he said that he might have used the odd word that was not appropriate, but um, I thought he delivered a, another piece of uh, headline news, although not in a in a punchy quote uh, this time that would upset the likes of uh, delicate flowers like uh, Dan Skelton. He said that it it may well be that um, British runners could account for just one quarter of the 40 runners at Aintree on April the 15th. And I'll give you his quote because it's, it's really, uh, it, it, mathematically, it's illustrative. Um, at the entry stage last year, he said there were 107 entries with 53 Irish and 54 English. And on the day, there were 21 Irish and 19 English. So the entries almost mirrored the 40 on the day. Extrapolating that, not a word I've associate with Martin, I must say, having known him for 30 years, extrapolating that for this year, the Irish have obviously got many more entries than the British. So that would suggest Britain is going to have 10 to 12 runners around a quarter of the 40. I think 19 last year was the record for the uh, the fewest runners for the home challenge. So to almost cut that in half and think that Britain could very easily, I suppose, have um, about the same number of runners as Gordon Elliott, one stable uh, from Ireland. So I thought that was quite a chasing piece of news. And, and you know, Martin's stuff is always very well backed up. That's why I think that he's able to uh, have that punchy style because people know uh, he's so good and everything that he says he can back up. Um, but I, I thought that was quite an interesting observation uh, from him. I listened to your uh, whip stuff with Richard Hoyles in the aftermath of the the raft of of bands. Obviously, I felt very sorry for Charlotte Jones. I thought that she was going to be uh, in the media spotlight for uh, being the first um, 
the first jockey whose mount was disqualified for overuse of the whip. Uh, but having said that, I've said many times on the NLD that hard cases make bad law. So the fact that it was an inexperienced rider at the start of her career um, who was making that unwelcome piece of history, well, that was unfortunate. I was, um, I, whilst I'm still shaking my head at how we've got here, I, I thought that I, I was quite pleased at least to see a couple of other charges on the sheet. Um, again, I, I've bored NLD viewers uh, over the, the, the months and the years that I, I think it's, it shouldn't be about the numbers. I think it should be about force, uh, place, time to respond, etc. And at least there were a, a couple of time to responds on there as well. Well, more than a couple. Um, so I thought that was welcome. And I, I do hope that this situation is going to um, settle down. Uh, but we will see, obviously, over the, the coming weeks at Chelsea, three weeks' time, excuse me. Okay, here we go. Well, obviously, we've been trying to talk a little bit about the Grand National this week because the weights have come out and Longhouse Poet, who's already run a nice race in the Grand National, is, is quite prominent in the betting again for national winning trainer Martin Brassel, who's struck back in. Um, I want to say 06 with number six, Valverde, but Martin, you might... You might correct me. Am I, have I got that right? No, you're spot on. I, I have very, very fond memories of it. Very fond memories of it indeed, as I'm sure to you. Your horse, Longhouse Poet, was well fancied for the race last year. What sort of horse is he now relative to then, do you think? Oh, so he's probably similar enough horse. Uh, I was only thinking there this morning, I suppose he'd be a better national horse in 06 when the track was more demanding and the jumping was more of a there was more of an emphasis on the jumping that's interesting and less and there's more on stamina and um, but at the same time um, you know you'd be happy to have that sort of horse facing the national regardless whenever you talk about him you always talk about him as a, just a, a really kind of honest honest sensible galloping horse I don't want to damn him with faint praise but is that the way you see him yeah, he is. Yeah, uh, he, he's he's a he's a he's a much classier horse than number six Valverde was. Like he's a pacier horse. He's a fantastic horse to jump. So was the horse that won it. Like, but um, you know, he just has a bit of class. Um, I suppose the fact that he's by Yates, I have, a, I have a kind of a theory on Yates that things have to go their way, and they like to have a little bit of room in their races for a while early on, anyway. And uh, I thought last year he probably ran with the choke out for too long he, he, like he couldn't get home the race he was running like he was always making grounded fences and you know you have to give him you have to save them a bit at some stage through the, that race yeah he, he ran a lovely race I mean although he was beaten 34 lengths and 6 he, he he shaped as though he absolutely loved the whole thing he did yeah he did he enjoyed it now um, probably the whole place lit him up possibly more than you'd like for a national because you know horses need to be semi-relaxed anyway in the race and uh he was he was really enjoying it and he was you know he was letting go with the fences and probably he could have done with maybe saving a little bit at some stage through the race last year you took the Boyne hurdle route to the to the national this year you're managing to get in a race post the weights being released that's to say the the bobby joe tomorrow what's the thinking behind the prep this time i just worked out this year just the way we, we had planned it for a while so that's the way we're going with it um 
he, I just wanted to get a run over fences into him anyway before, you know. And, and do you think do you think that'll be better then to have that run over fences rather than over hurdles? I don't think it matters a whole lot to this horse anyway. You could run him in a pint of pint, or you could run him in a cross country race. It wouldn't really matter to him. He just loves jumping, and he, he adapts very well. You can go from jumping fences back to jumping hurls, and you think he never jumped the fence because he's very quick over hurl. So he's very very smart over a hurl and when he goes chasing then he's equally as good over a fence well i'm for one i'm very much looking forward to seeing him back in the back in the in the grand national again i'm just looking at your at your cheltenham entries uh martin your your fast or slow is as short as 10 to 1 for the plate but he's got he's got another option is is the plate the likeliest one do you think i don't know we're going to have a look and see when the weights come out there and uh Surely, he he only has had three runs over fences, and and there was a big gap between his first one and his second one. So uh, he's a horse that's a bit fragile. So we'll um, see how it goes. Like it was probably not really ideal that he had to run in a couple of grade ones in order to get a mark. Yeah, but sure, look, he had to jump. He had to go somewhere. So. Uh, um, Conditions of there was no winners of one since October. There was some of those graded races, grade twos and threes. Horses can't have won before May twenty one, so he had won before that, so he wasn't able to get into sort of a, a less demanding race. But at least he jumped around well. We were happy the way he could cope with the whole thing because you know, he was probably going a couple of miles an hour faster than you'd, you'd like to. Well, he. Uh stage in his career he, he's an interesting horse nonetheless martin um thanks for talking to me uh best of luck with uh, with longhouse poet this weekend thanks very much Nick. all right the big race saturday in england is the coral trophy it takes place at kempton park uh, if your name's williams you look to have a pretty good chance much of the focus has been on christian sources during the week but it's evan williams who looks to have a favorites chance with Anne sam who was a very impressive winner at kempton last time evan how's he doing he's grand yeah everything has gone gone quite nicely and he's a horse who when he gets in in his groove is is pretty pretty useful isn't he yeah he's 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 a he's a strange horse nick um you know he runs very very well or he doesn't run very well um there doesn't seem to be much of an in-between and is there any cause for thinking that tomorrow he's going to get out of bed the right side look i don't know he made a mistake very early um in last year's race um, I mean, people have said that he needs an easy lead. I, I don't. I don't agree with that. Um, I, I think you know, on his day, he's he's sharp and good. And, um, whether he's good enough off his revised mark, I don't know. Um, but I think on his day, he's more than capable of running very, very well. People will remember uh, his dam, who also raced for for, for Wayne Clifford, Bathwick Annie. She was a, a tremendous mare, and he, he's by a quite a strong influence for stamina. Yet. Whenever I look at him run, I never look at him like a slow... He never looks like a slow horse to me. No, he's not, Nick. I mean, he ran a very, very good race in Newbury for a long way. And I don't think he stayed um, in Newbury that day over three miles, too. I think three miles is more his bag. I think the track suits him. Um, I suppose if you had to have a negative, you'd you'd say that perhaps winter ground is what he wants. You know, he can be quite devastated on proper winter ground and... I think the ground will be far from that tomorrow. But, I mean, he's got form on a faster surface. Look, if he's good enough, 
then I have no concerns about anything. Um, but it's a race full of horses that, you know, they, there's plenty in there with chances. And you mentioned Winterground. The, the time he won and, and, and won so well uh, at Kempton, it was it was kind of weird ground, wasn't it? They were getting very, very tired. A lot of horses just not finishing at all. Yeah, it was a something of a nothing race, Nick. I, I don't I don't hold up that race as... It was a very strange race, yeah. It wasn't just the ground strange, the race was strange. Whether the horses couldn't cope with it, and we did. Um, but you could tell after after a mile and a half that there was a lot of horses just, you know, basically not not competing that day for whatever reason, whether it was our horse dictating or the ground sucking the life out of horses. But it was a strange race to look at. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But seven wins from 20 starts tells its own story. He's a horse who knows how to win races. So he's got to have a chance. Um, Evan, I was just I was just looking through and seeing that we've had quite a few uh, forfeit stages already. You've still got quite a few horses uh, entered in, in races at Cheltenham. I mean, at this stage... What do you think the size of your squad will be if all goes to plan? Very, very small, Nick, with, with the weather. Um, I kept them in there a little bit through desperation, really, because if I didn't keep them in and, and the rain did come, then, you know, I'd look silly. But none of them have had prep races when we've been looking to get a prep run into them. Um, but it's a, a little bit through desperation. I've just left everything in, you know. Um, it's been a very strange, very, very, very strange season for for our yard. Anyway, but it's just just the way it's panned out because of the weather. I'd say. So if you get a if you get a little bit of rain, then that might might help things. I I I couldn't help noticing that that in the in the plate which he won last year, Cool Cody's slipping down to a mark where you know if if he was nine or ten, you'd say he'd be competitive. Could he still be competitive as a twelve year old? Oh, I don't know, Nick. I mean, I think we've got to be careful with a horse of his age. I mean, he, he had such a strange season last year in a, in a positive way. I mean, it, that doesn't happen. It, 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 you can't keep doing that. Um, and he needs to recapture a little bit of sparkle. Um, where that comes from, I don't know. Now, the only thing I can hope is that um, springtime in Cheltenham is where it might come back. But, I mean, the chances of him doing what he'd done last year, I, I'd say... I'd say we're up against it, but we'll give it a go type of thing. You know, it, there's, there's no reason why not to give it a go. And you've got all sorts of options for, for Secret Reprieve, a horse who, who I, I love. What might, be the, what might be the key to, to getting him back to winning a big race? Um, the, the Welsh Nationals, two Welsh Nationals in, in 12 months was, was very tough on, a, on what was a young horse then. I mean, those Nationals don't fall the way of young horses for a reason, Nick, because they do take so much out of them somewhere. Um, but I, I would be more favourable with the weather as it is to probably going to Utoxeter on the Saturday for the Midlands National rather than going to the festival. But if he got rain, again, if, if, if the rain came for the festival, um, then he can be competitive off his mark where he is. You had a very good race on New Year's Day. Very, very good race. Um and I'd hope that he'd be a better horse for that run. So he's got plenty of options, and, and there's no doubt in that somewhere down the line he'll, he'll hopefully win a big race again somewhere. Evan, thanks for your time, and best of luck tomorrow. Lovely. Thank you, Nick. Thank you very much. 
Well, one of the, the great joys of working on a, an international broadcast such as the, the Saudi Cup here in Riyadh is you get to reunite with a lot of friends from around the world. And as well as uh, Michelle Yu from the United States, Lafitte Pinkai III joins the, the broadcast team this year and is um, making contributions to the, the Fox Sports broadcast as well. It'll be taking the, the host feed during the course of the day, which is fantastic. And he, he joins me now. I know it's, you, you've been champing at the bit to be... <laughs> To be reunited with your old pal. Counting the days. Yeah. Count, counting the days. Um, this is it's been a completely different uh, experience as far as the event and how far it's come in just four years. $20 million purse, the richest race in the world. And, and obviously this being my first experience from everyone else who has been here prior, just how much the facility itself has changed uh, how much enthusiasm there is surrounding uh, the event and uh, so many just intriguing intriguing storylines heading into the fourth edition obviously I think that the event would like another impressive international winner okay yeah it was great for for the sport locally that Emblem Road won last year but for the reputation of the event how important do you think it is that say a Tabor or a Country Grammar or one of the key Japanese horses a June Light Bolt or Pantalassa wins the big race I don't know how important it is in terms of where the winner surfaces from. Naturally, on the broadcast side of things, I'm always going to pull for the best story. Um, we've seen a little bit of everything the first three years. Americans running 1-2, the first year, Maximum Security, Midnight Bizu, Mishrif, the European turf star in 21, and as you mentioned, the local horse, Emblem Road, and that rich strike-sized upset Last year, uh, the Japanese are here in, in volume. There's six of them. Uh, June Lightbolt, as you mentioned, Pantalasa from that inside post. I'm always going to pull for the, for the best uh, possible story. Um, it, to me, it doesn't make a difference geographically where the winners come from. The Americans look very strong in Taba and country grammar. I almost feel like the, the sentimental favorite, though, is, is Frankie Dettori and, and so much of the focus surrounding him, as, as popular as he is worldwide, and this being part of this global farewell tour to what's been in a stellar, stellar career. Yeah, and a farewell tour that's gathering momentum, I think, faster than even he could have, he could have anticipated with this amazing start at, at Santa Anita. From a dispassionate point of view, is it reasonable to, to assert that Country Grammar has a better chance going into the race than he did last year? I think he has less questions surrounding him. Tabor is the brilliant one, who was historically fast in his first two races, Horses don't win the Santa Anita Derby in their second career start. It just doesn't happen. But he still has to make the ship. He still has to take to a very different track. That's not Santa Anita. It's night and day. We saw him really acting up uh, Thursday morning at the starting gate. Some of those circulating questions regarding Taba, you don't worry about that with country grammar. I don't know that he's a better horse than he was last year, but we didn't know how well and how quickly he would adapt in 22. They said when he got off the plane, he was tugging his handlers around the ring, went right into his stall, cleaned out his feed tub after that 8,000-plus-mile journey or whatever it is, handled everything like a pro, took to the surface. His two best races of his career, arguably, the second-place finish in the Saudi Cup and the win in the Dubai World Cup, uh, the presence of Frank Edittori, and the fact that he does have, in my opinion, the greatest trainer of dirt thoroughbreds ever in Bob Baffert, who emphasizes, you know what you need to win? This particular race, the mile and an eighth Saudi Cup, you need a mile and a quarter horse. Country grammar, the farther the better, and Baffert's still seeking a first win in this race. 
Yeah, and Jimmy Barnes has been supervising the preparation of Tabor in country grammar. He's talking very highly of the way that country grammar has applied himself once again, and clearly he's developed this rapport with the Tory, which began in the Dubai World Cup last year. I, I want to ask you a question about the rider of, of Emblem Road, Alexis Moreno. <laughs> now, um, your dad, uh, the, the brilliant Lafitte Pinkai Jr., he... Uh, is the the idol the 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 god really for for Panamanian born born riders? What does it mean to you to see them still excelling on a on a global stage? I'm proud of it. It's like Louis Sayas, the idea that he he went to the Lafitte Pinkai Jockey School. It's it's um, I get a kick out of it, and so does and so does my dad. Um, and for Alexis last year, how difficult that must have been because he had the option uh, between. Emblem Road and Making Miracles, yeah, I believe exactly, it was. exactly. And and you know, Making Miracles is picking up steam on the far turn. He's sitting third, and Moreno has to have visions of taking down this twenty million dollar horse race. And he looks over his shoulder, and there's the horse he could have ridden with another Panamanian and Wiggy Ramos with Emblem Road, who picked up the mount, and he blows right by him. I can't imagine that was easy. To stomach, he said he was really proud for Wiggy, fellow Panamanian, but a tough pill to swallow. In that toss of the coin, I made the wrong choice, and the horse I could have rode won the world's richest horse race. And what is it about Panama, both before your dad left his legacy and and after, that has meant that there is this pool of of riding talent there? It's the the sports that the kids play that they focus most, much like baseball, football, basketball, hockey and in the States, it's baseball and horse racing. And if you're small enough, if you're physically designed to potentially find yourself in a saddle, if you have the opportunity to learn how to ride, and they do have the jockey school there, um, it's a lot like the kids growing up in the States wanting to play the mainstream sports. It is still a mainstream sport. And over the years from George Velasquez and Braulio Baeza and uh, Jose Lascano, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a few. Uh, my father, Luis Saez now, it, it really has been an assembly line of star rider after star rider over the years in Panama. And does that explain why your, your two favorite sports, well, horse racing obviously one of them, and what, is that why baseball is your, is your other sport? Dad played a lot of baseball. He was on I'm a, guessing he was good. He was good. He was the second baseball. These guys are good at everything. He was really, was a really good athlete. He was in uh, some Central or South American World Series title that he won as a kid. That he, I think he went to Venezuela to play. Loved baseball. Wanted to be a baseball player and just flip and stopped growing. You know, you're not, not much call for a 5-1 second baseman in the majors. Um, so that was really his passion, but he was better designed to be a rider. I played a lot of baseball. I pitched for 10 years. Um, and that's one thing that we did a lot growing up was just playing catch. Um, watching a lot of baseball together. We didn't watch horse racing together. We didn't talk about horses. You know, when I was growing up, I loved baseball. That was like our first true real bond, father and son, was over our love of baseball. And, and do you talk more about baseball now than you talk about horse racing? <sighs> when, it kind of, when, you know, when, it, when the season rolls around and then playoffs and the Dodgers are good and we still go to ball games once in a while, I'd say we talk a little more, more horse racing now. And he'll be watching on, of course, on, on Saturday night for the, for the Saudi Cup. Obviously, the American contingent is not... Only watching because you're hosting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, your, your aunt will only be watching because I'm hosting. One more time? Your aunt will only be uh, watching because I'm hosting. Uh, yes. Yeah, no, definitely. She wouldn't have bothered even to set her DVR otherwise. Now, <laughs> it's not confined just to country grammar and tape of this, um, 
this American challenge. There's a horse in here who is an Eclipse Award-winning champion, champion sprinter, yeah. Breeders' Cups champion, who is barely getting a mention. What is that? Especially with the, with the connection to Prince Khaled Abdullah, who passed away just over two years ago, I believe. Um, what Judd Mont uh, trans- turned into uh, on his watch, this racing and breeding powerhouse. And seeing those, those colors so well represented on this stage makes all the sense in the world. Elite Power, who uh, has become a sprinting machine, it, was, it fell between the cracks, as it often does, because it took place an hour after the Kentucky Derby, two races after the Kentucky Derby, and that monumental upset by Rich Strike. Elite Power made his 23 debut, and he lost, but the way he ran in defeat, it was like, okay, that's a different horse uh. than we've seen prior. He was disappointing. $900,000 purchase and 0 for 3 and kind of a non-factor early on in his career. And then that race and then what he's done since. Five straight wins, the win in the grade 2 Vosburgh at Aqueduct, and a passing of the torch in the sprint division in North America from Jackie's Warrior, who suffered another defeat on a Breeders' Cup stage as elite power from off the pace comes storming home to earn a title and now arrives with all this momentum and a champion sprinter it's going to be a lot harder for dancing prince against this field uh, than it was last year Uh, uh, his presence makes as you said uh, it's not getting quite the attention that it deserves that a champion sprinter is here as good as he is for bill mott who also has casa creed and mott knows how to send a horse to the mid-east and take down the riches as he did with cigar in that first uh, dubai world cup in 96 long time ago racing in this part of the world has come on an awful lot since then the 20 million dollar saudi cup will take place on saturday uh, night or evening here local time you can catch uh, the bulk of it uh, all the thoroughbred races on fox on fox Wh- sports 2 fox sports 2 fs2 8 eastern 8 eastern and the golden hour at noon uh fox sports 2 yes beautiful lafitte thanks so much as always Well, obviously, part of the challenge of any new race uh, that seeks to occupy a major place on the global stage is to get global awareness of it. And that's where the distributors of the Saudi Cup, HBA Media, come in. You'll be familiar with their work from the Melbourne Cup, from the Breeders' Cup, from Royal Ascot, Kentucky Derby, distributing big races all across the world. Frank Sale is the, the managing director. Been working with Frank quite closely over the, over the last few years on a number of these events. And yeah, Frank, first of all, just talk to us about the, the distribution now in 2023 of the Saudi Cup and, and how you are reaching parts that others might not reach. Thanks a lot, Nick. Uh, great to be back. And yeah, of course, uh, the world's richest horse race, the Saudi Cup. It's at the heart of our crown jewel package that HBA have now developed alongside the likes of Royal Ascot, the Dubai World Cup, the Breeders' Cup, the Melbourne Cup, as you've, as you've just said. We're taking the, the show this year into 170 territories globally, and that's led by 35 broadcasters. Some of the headline broadcasters include Fox Sports, who actually are on the ground this year for the first time, showing their commitment to, to, to the race. Um, we've got strong coverage across Europe, um, as always, with the likes of Rai, the free-to-air network in Italy, Virgin Media and Racing TV across the United Kingdom and Ireland, Polsat in Poland, Satanta across Eurasia. So we're, 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 we're well covered, I would say. Um, and this is by far our best distribution for the Saudi Cup as it enters its fourth year. 
obviously now you, you're not just concerned with traditional linear broadcasting. You're also trying to work out how you could maximise your exposure via, via streaming. How have you progressed in that regard? Yeah, well, look, we, we did a deal with, with Twitter two years ago, actually, uh, with um, the, the MENA office, and that pulled in 6.5 million views um, for the Saudi Cup. We've, we've gone back to them and we've got a, we've got a new deal on the table that we're, that we're really excited about. Um, we've partnered with, with, with STC, one of the key partners of the Saudi Cup, and hopefully we can improve that, that 6.5 million figure um, that the youth of Saudi Arabia are, are fully engaged um, with, with, with the event. And I think that having the stream on Twitter alongside SSC, who are the linear host broadcaster, is going to be exciting. In addition to that, fan code across India, it's a brand new deal. Fancode are an OTT streaming platform. They have 80 million subscribers. They take cricket, tennis, etc. The Saudi Cup will be on there live, uh, and their 80 million users will actually get a push notification to tell them that the Saudi Cup is on, which hopefully will gather you know huge interest. And and finally. Uh Frank, the, the golden hour is a concept that you've been trying to develop now for the last two or three years, just packaging up that, that final and most crucial segment of the broadcast. Just remind everybody what the thinking behind that is. Look, the golden hour is key for us across all of our events uh, and our crown jewel package. The golden hour essentially ensures that sports networks, not racing networks, sports networks can fit the sport's key races around the year into their schedules and give the races prominent coverage. So we have another golden hour this year, which is uh, 8 to 9 p.m. local time in Saudi Arabia with the Saudi Cup at the heart of that. IMG Productions uh, are responsible there. The coverage is led by yourself and Michelle Yu. We've got Oli Bell and Lafitte Pinkai III here and Richard Holt is back on the commentary. So I think, you know, look, we've got 46 cameras this year. It's, it's extraordinary. We've got some incredible specialist cameras, including two wire cams um, and, and AR graphics, which, which are brand, brand new for this year. It's a really top show. Um, and I think that it encompasses entertainment, culture, fashion, the heritage of this, this incredible kingdom, but also we have the world's richest race at the heart of it. You missed out Rosie Tapner. I did. She won't be happy with you. <laughs> well, I've just seen her. She looks stunning in her, in her, in her dress um, that's, been, that's been provided to her. It's no by, good digging now. By, by it's no Nora. good trying to dig your way Look, out. Of Rosie trouble, was right? here last year on, on the Screens production. She's back again leading that this year. And we've also <laughs> included her on the world feed um, to bring, bring the culture and fashion to, to, to life. Well, now you have given this program the biggest and most grand introduction you can. It's now up to us not to let you down. So, so fingers crossed. I better go into a production meeting and, uh, and work out what we're going to do. Yeah, you're, you're about 10 minutes late. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. Cheers. All right, thanks to Frank and to Lafitte Pinkeye III and also earlier in the show to Evan Williams and to Martin Brassel. Good luck to them with their horses over the weekend. And, of course, to, to Frankie Dettori, Ryan Moore, Mike Smith and more. Uh, with all the runners in the in the Saudi Cup this weekend, this Saturday. Uh, David Yates is still with me, and he has a tip for you. 
We're going to the 220 race at Lingfield and it's Wyvern. This horse came back from a break to run with Promise at Southall in mid-January and then missed out by a short head at Wolverhampton last time out. I hope that he can go one better here. Had a bit of a trouble passage that day. 220 race at Lingfield Park selections number six, Wyvern. David, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Charlotte will be back this evening with the Saturday edition. But for now, that was Friday, February the 24th. I will see you back in England on Monday. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.